Week 15 coming up, and guys, it's been a dizzying news cycle to start the week. I kind of thought we might kick off the show talking about some thrillers on Sunday, having a winning Week 14 across the board, but it's been a bit of a buzzkill early this week, some serious 2020 vibes creeping back in. Chris, I'm afraid I'd get a shorter answer if I phrased the question, who isn't on the COVID list in the NFL right now? Yeah, I'm just looking at the latest COVID list, uh, 33 new additions uh, today. Um, I think the number is over 100 over the last uh, uh, 10 days or something. Uh, they have tested or had, had false tests and regular tests. It's just getting completely out of hand. You know, last night the, the Rams lost uh, Higby, and today he's negative and he could have played. So it's, it's a shame that the, uh, there's a problem with the testings. Uh, and it's, it's a shame that people are getting it. So uh, it's just a, another obstacle uh, as if we needed any more to handicap the NFL this year. Yeah, and Scott, to that end, how do you balance getting a good number early in the week versus betting into more complete information later in the week with all this going on? It's tough because you don't know what's coming on this COVID stuff. I mean, we saw yesterday, you know, with Jalen Ramsey and Higby and whatnot, day of the game stuff. So this stuff can go all the way up to a Sunday morning and all of a sudden you get to just be blown out. And then you get certain positions which can get impacted, which can just wipe out a whole lot of people. So it's tough. I mean, you, you hate to wait because you'll lose good numbers. Um, you know, you, you try to do the best job, but... The one thing that is 100% unpredictable is this COVID stuff. I mean, you just cannot predict that at all. Uh, you know, injuries likely aren't going to happen during the week, not too often. Every once in a while, something happens. But, you know, I think um, if you think there's a good number and it's a valuable number, you, you try to take it and, and then you just hope and pray. I mean, what we're going through right now, as Chris just said, I mean, what was it yesterday? He said 37. Now, Chris is saying maybe 100 in the last 10 days. There's been a whole bunch added today. Every time I look, another another team um, has has issues. So um, we're into this right now, and NBA is dealing with this. So it's compounded, and um, you know, just um, uh, much worse this week right now. But I don't know. If you got a good number, you try to take it, and then you hope and pray that uh, nothing devastates that number, which we're seeing happen, unfortunately, today. You know, it's really important to have good money management. Uh, I, I think, you know, I like to have a structured betting. And, you know, when things get this flaky, you know, you, you get to the point of like, well, wait a minute. You know, I, I've been playing the whole season at X amount. And now all these variables are coming in each week. And it's, you know, you've got multiple NHL hockey games canceled. Uh, you've got all kinds of problems everywhere. It's obviously going to get worse, you know, trying to have money management. And I'm thinking, well, how am I supposed to do that? Am I going to go on the hot streak when I lower my bets because, uh, you know, of so much uncertainty? So you play all these mind games to try to stay structured. Uh, so that's something that I play with, too, on this. Hey, I just, yeah. I just want to I want to see your line moves here when we get to those today with COVID uh, hitting everything. Uh, you know, I mean, things can I move five, six points this week. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Might have to take that segment with a grain of salt. But before we get there, Chris, you talk about the mind games. And one thing I think we all feel as bettors is when we get the worst of it, where we bet a number and then COVID news moves things against us. But how do you also balance out the possibility that COVID news could work in our favor? You know, either way, we can't control it. And it, it seems like it should net out just about a wash, but everybody's more afraid of the pain of something moving against them versus the possible upside of things moving for them. 
Oh, see, I'm diving head first in because it's worked against me. All the injuries and all the COVID news has worked against me the whole season. So I'm due. I figure I'm like 70-30 for it to go in my favor. So I'm just firing away. And I fired on the Raiders this morning. That worked out. And uh, unfortunately, it didn't work out with Kansas City because I, I had a gold line on Kansas City that I thought I was I would have. And now it's just a okay line. <laughs> Yeah, I guess if Chris were an NFL team right now, it might be the one that's just on a really cold streak on third downs and in the red zone, just waiting to break through and see some of that positive regression. And we'll see if we can move things in that direction as we take our early look at week 15. Uh, let's kick this off as we do on Tuesdays by taking a look at our records so far this season. And as we get into it, uh, again, a winning week across the board last week, but a lot of murky news to sift through this week. I kind of feel like as we try to build on this in week 15, guys, it's almost like that scene of Tim Robbins crawling through the tunnel in Shawshank, just trying to get through all the crap into the promised lands. Uh, it's, it's a weird battle sifting through this news cycle in week 15, but we're here to do our best for the audience, provide value wherever we can, and as we get there, for the audience joining us on YouTube, go ahead and give us a quick thumbs up, subscribe, jump in that chat, let us know if you have any questions as well as what you think as we take that early look at the week 15 slate. And Chris, let's get to it. We'll pull up a full screen graphic for the YouTube audience showing all the lines on the board right now. Again, maybe a big grain of salt this week with all the COVID news, but how do you see these things moving over the course of the next few days? Well, the Kansas City, uh, fortunately, we haven't seen so much uh, COVID. We, had, we saw one key uh, COVID news with uh, Kansas City, and that brought it down from four to three. If there's no more news on it, I, I think it might actually start to bounce back up a little bit. But I, again, that's a that's a COVID game, hard to predict. But it seems stable at the moment. Uh, Cleveland was six; it's down to the three range. So uh, that's entirely going to depend on how many more people end up on the COVID list and and what you know what the fallout is. So it seems stable at three right now. But if you're not involved in this game yet, uh, uh, beware. Uh, Indianapolis, uh, that is trying to hit three, but the world's going to jump on New England if it sees a three. Uh, so uh, beware of that. I call it the bungee three at best. Philadelphia is going to throttle between that four and five and a half range, I would imagine, uh, waiting the news on Heineke. Um, Buffalo injury news. Uh, uh, we know Allen's walking around in a boot, and uh, it's going to depend when that news comes out. So uh, it's been inching down. Uh, if it looks like he's going to be good to go, it might bounce back up. Miami seems to have only one direction up because uh, it's just getting pounded with teasers, and uh, there's not a lot of reason for people to be betting the Jets necessarily. Uh, Dallas seems to be inching down, and uh, Green Bay uh, that line with Baltimore is entirely unpredictable. Currently, it's off the board mo most places, around four and a half to five, if you can find it. But that's going to have severe movement uh, based on Rogers' toe news or uh, Jackson playing. So just be wary. Uh, Tennessee, uh, no major news there. But I think, if anything, it's not going to keep going up. I think uh, it'll get some Pittsburgh love. Uh, Jacksonville is getting the love this morning. It was a flat three, three and a halfs are popping up. Uh, I don't anticipate it 
uh, to continue to go up, though. I think it might come back down. Uh, Arizona's got a, a bunch of injury news that people are waiting on uh, with Hopkins and, uh, and one other person. Uh, so that's going to depend on that. But uh, I think that that's going to be stable for a while. I think Detroit's starting to get some play, though. It's inching down. Mm-hmm. San Francisco, eight and a half, nine, not many places. I think it's going to see 10. It's not going down, I don't think. Uh, Denver, the uh, word on the street, people are surprised Denver's the favorite here. So I, anticip- I don't anticipate too much more Denver betting. Uh, so it seems kind of s- stable there. The Rams have 13 people on the COVID list. If you can find a line, it's about four and a half or five. You're just going to have to wait for more news on that uh, to sift out. Uh, New Orleans, 10 and a half, 11, or Tampa Bay, 10 and a half and 11. I think that that uh, is going to be going down to 10. It'll end up down to 10, in my opinion. And Minnesota, Chicago, uh, um has COVID news on both sides. Uh, it's right around three and a half. Uh, just have to pay attention to the COVID news. It, it seems kind of stable where it is. I don't see any major movement on that. Yeah, well, Scott, to add injury to insult here, we've got uh, not just a lot of COVID news surrounding the whole league, it seems, right now, but what are some of the big injuries you'll be keeping an eye on over the next few days that COVID aside could impact the games on this weekend slate? Yeah, so uh, on the injury front, Matt, like you said, we got the whole COVID thing, of course. But beyond that, uh, the Falcons lost a uh, safety last week, Eric Harris, who was a starter for them. Um, so that's a that's a loss for them. You know, he's probably worth less than a half point, but there's some value there. Uh, the Cowboys, a big one here where they have struggled. Uh, left tackle Tyron Smith, uh, he is out, it looks like, for this week. He was hurt last game. Uh, and Dak has struggled uh, when he has not been in there. Uh, as Chris alluded to, we've got a whole bunch of uh, quarterback injuries as well. So from the Giants' standpoint, we know Daniel Jones is out. I think he's getting the neck looked at again. Good chance he is not playing this week. And then they lost uh, de- defensive tackle Leonard Williams in the game last week to the Chargers' elbow injury. Good news is it does not seem to be uh, season-ending. Um, it remains questionable if he'll be able to actually play this week or not. Raven standpoint, Lamar Jackson, uh, like Chris spoke about. But then they also lost Kalis Campbell last week during that game. Uh, and he's a big clog in, in the middle of the defensive line for them. Uh, we know all about all their injuries in the secondary. If they start to lose some potential there on the uh, defensive line. That could be a major impact for them as well. So that bears watching. We'll, we'll obviously update that on Friday. The Bills, again, Josh Allen we talked about. They also lost Emmanuel Sanders, the receiver, uh, in that game against Tampa Bay. Um, so we'll see uh, what happens there. Bears got back Rokan Smith um, last week in that game, and then he was hurt early in that game. Uh, very important linebacker for the Bears on the defensive side. Obviously, all the COVID stuff that goes with that as well that Chris mentioned. And again, we'll update that stuff on Friday. That sounds like a broken record. Uh, Packers lose right tackle Billy Turner. Uh, you know, in and of itself, not a big deal. But let's remember, they played all year without left tackle David Bakhtiari in all pro. Uh, Elkin Jenkins, their left guard, is now out for the year. He's potentially an all-pro player. They've been playing without their center, Josh Myers, uh, for quite some time now. Uh, and Dennis Kennedy, uh, Kelly came back in. Dennis Kelly came in and played right tackle for Billy Turner. He's not a fantastic offensive lineman. He did start uh, last year for Tennessee, so he's very capable. 
Um, and, and Aaron Rodgers has done a masterful job as a Packers offense in, in general, um, really covering up for this depleted offensive line. But again, it's just something to take note of. Uh, then you got Rodgers with the bad toe. So just a mental note. We'll see how it impacts him. Uh, the Washington football team, Taylor Heineke, uh, from a quarterback standpoint, again, we'll see. Uh, and they're just getting devastated on the defensive line um, with guys that have been hit with COVID. Or we know Chase Young's out because of the injury. Montez Sweat got hurt. He was going to come back last week. He's got COVID now. So he missed last week. We'll see if he can play this week. Jonathan Allen, another key defensive lineman, uh, has COVID now, along with a whole host of other players on that defensive line with COVID. So that position group has been hit very, very hard. I just saw Kendall Fuller now on the COVID list from the secondary. So again, we'll have to update that on Friday. And then I don't know if it's 50 or, or, or greater now with everything that we're seeing today, but there is just a host of COVID players right now. Um, and obviously if they're vaccinated and they're hit with COVID early in the week, they still have a chance to test negative twice, I believe it is, uh, to play on Sunday. So some of these guys on COVID could possibly play. Uh, other guys obviously will not. And if you're not vaccinated, there's no way you're playing. That's a mandatory, I think, 10 days. So we'll update a lot of this on Friday, but just a ton of issues from a COVID standpoint. And we're only Tuesday. Like how much more could possibly happen between now and Friday? Uh, probably a fair amount. So we'll update more of this on Friday as we get closer to the Sunday games and Saturday games, uh, obviously. Yeah, I'm seeing yeah. 10, uh, 10 Washington Redskins on the COVID list now. That's crazy. Crazy. Yeah, well, and Scott, you mentioned those Sunday and Saturday games, and let's not forget that Thursday game already affected by COVID with Slater for the Chargers, and then today Chris Jones for the Chiefs entering COVID protocols. So even for a game kicking off in a little more than 48 hours, plenty of uncertainty, but we'll do our best to break it down right now. One of us will have a bet on a side in that one, so let's get to it. Perhaps the marquee matchup of the week coming out of the gates on Thursday night, the Chiefs at the Chargers. Kansas City laying three at minus 115. Again, that could be a moving target of a line based on news we get in the next 48 hours. Total 52. Chris, you're on a side in this one. Tell us who you like. Yeah, I thought I had some gold because I snagged a uh, an expensive three when the line was four everywhere. And then uh, the news hit this morning and it's three everywhere. So, um but I still like the uh, the Chiefs in this matchup. Uh, uh, as I'm uh, sounding like a broken record, I'm not. Uh, the charts don't like the Chargers all that much. Uh, we have uh, over the last five weeks, Kansas City has been the second best team. That's to nobody's surprise. They've gained six six and a half points of value against the average team over the last five weeks, and the Chargers have actually been doing uh, pretty well. Also, they've. Uh, Played uh, the 12th uh, best uh, uh, metric uh, uh, circumstances over the last five weeks, uh, gaining almost two points of value. Uh, Kansas City moved up to number one offense again. It's been a long time since they've been there uh, for the league overall. And uh, um, number two over the last five weeks. And their defense, which is you know, largely ridiculed, has been the third best defense over the last five weeks. Bringing in them, they were they were at the bottom of the league, 32, 31, 30. They're back, they're up to 17th, uh, while the uh, the Chargers are still mired back uh, in 24th defensively. But they've been improving. They've had the ninth uh, best game defensively. 
just to update those situations. But you know what? It, it's it's the metrics support Kansas City. The eye test supports Kansas City. Uh, as long as Kansas City doesn't lose any more players, I, I think that uh, you know I, I don't know how the Chargers stop them, quite frankly. And uh, you know. The Chargers defense is just weak. Kansas City should have success there. And Kansas City has a better defense uh, than people give them credit for. So, uh, you know, laying a short number on a three, you know, traditionally just means win the game. Yeah, well, let's talk about that Chiefs defense a bit because I have a lean to the Chargers at this number. And I think about their offense that could put the Kansas City D to the test. I mean, Justin Herbert... Reminded me a bit of Mark McGuire to cross sports with this analogy on Sunday. I mean, McGuire was that Steroids? slugger who would hit upper Steroids? deck bombs. <laughs> no, Scott, oh. don't don't shatter Justin Herbert for me, please. It's it's too early in his career for that. Um, but yeah, McGuire, you know, he'd hit these upper deck homers that the cameraman almost couldn't keep track of, no matter how far they panned out. And I was reminded of that watching uh, replay after replay of Herbert's bomb late in the second quarter to Jalen Guyton on Sunday. I think he threw the ball almost 65 yards in the air, on the run, away from pressure with pinpoint accuracy. Uh, it was just something to behold. And with this Kansas City defense, they've put up some great numbers recently, but it hasn't been against the strongest opposition. They drew the Packers without Aaron Rodgers. They got the Cowboys offense when it was really shorthanded. So, Chris, those Chiefs numbers you mentioned earlier, are those adjusted for strength of schedule? And what do you make of this being perhaps a step up in class for that Kansas City defense, perhaps their first big test in quite some time? Well, do you, do you think teams don't uh, get up uh, and uh, put out their little bit of extra effort when they face a team like the Chiefs? Or do you think they just treat them like a whole hem uh, run-of-the-mill team? I think in the NFL, every team is going all out pretty much all the time. Um, there are spots few and far between where motivation might fluctuate, but but my MO is that that gets blown out of proportion and everybody's going all out every snap, no matter what. Well, you're dreaming there, but I'll, I assure you, there's a handful <laughs> there's a handful of teams that you're you're pretty sure to get a team's best effort. So uh, you can only play the schedule that you play. Number one, and with mo most certainly whoever comes and plays the chiefs other than the raiders certainly puts forth their uh, their best effort so uh you know there's a lot of intangibles that uh you know are hard to factor in you just have to you know not not get too lost into dissecting and finding ways you can twist and and uh, uh morph stats in your favor so uh, I, I try to you know just i don't keep it simple because i use a lot of stats but if you if you start trying to tweak too much, you're going to get yourself in trouble. Yeah, I, I agree. So it sounds like, um, you know, people need to be careful, you know, reading too much into or oversimplifying something like motivation and then something more concrete like the stats we're working with. So uh, safe to assume that you're maybe reading more into motivation than I am and I'm reading more into strength of schedule than you are. And that might be where we diverge a little bit as far as this matchup is concerned. Yeah, I think we talked about it earlier in the season. It's it, 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 there's just so many variables when you look at strength of schedule. Uh, you know, the, the the ebbs and flows of effort and who played and and what the situations were. Um, you can't factor all of that stuff in. I mean, you really. I mean, you would literally only have to be following each and every circumstance to actually 
try to do that in an efficient way. I mean, the 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 worst team in the NFL certainly can play better if they're playing their best possible game than the best team that's playing their worst game. So you can't, you know, how are you supposed to evaluate the effort that those teams put in uh, from game to game? So I, you can, strength of schedule is overrated. I mean, it counts, don't get me wrong, but people overreact to it quite often. Yeah, I think uh, broad strokes thinking about like the Packers without Aaron Rodgers, the Cowboys decimated at the skill positions and across the O-line. Those are situations that stand out in a way that, you know, if I can remember it, not as a fan of those teams, then I, I tend to be inclined to give it some weight. But you're the pro better between the two of us, so I appreciate you sharing this context, because if I'm butting heads with you, then we know who's the favorite and who's the underdog. Well, when, you know, one of the greatest trends that you can, that you can bet is to bet on that team in the rally mode, because... You know, when a team loses its superstar and they have to band together, usually you see that team come out with an awesome effort and they actually cover and win and do well and surprises everybody. So how do you factor that in? That's an awesome trend to play is play that that rallying team. Yeah, well, I mean, the Chargers seem to be on quite a rally themselves right now, so that might be a point for Mylene. But another factor I wanted to touch on with the Chiefs, something they've been doing well, uh, reminds me of Washington uh, with a pivot we saw with them on late downs early in the season to the middle of the season, the Chiefs with turnovers. The first seven weeks, they were minus 10. I mean, it seemed like every game we were just throwing up our hands at the crazy turnovers going against them. Last seven games, plus 10 in turnovers. So on the net there, even for the season, and I think that that's finally got them in a more proper spot from a season-long rating standpoint. Again, we touched also on Chris Jones entering COVID protocol for the Chiefs today. Kind of evens things out for the Chargers, losing Slater for this one. Really curious, Scott, on the injury front, Derwin James and Asante Samuel. If I knew they were going for the Chargers, I would, you know, be more inclined to bet them at this number. Not sure that I'd pull the trigger. But do you have any sense as to whether those two guys will be available for the Chargers secondary come Thursday evening? I think James is going to go. They held him out last week. I think it was a hamstring, if, if I'm right. Um, and, you know, I don't know how much NFL teams do this, but they were playing the Giants. They knew they had the Chiefs coming up on Thursday night, which is obviously a very important game. They probably felt they could win this game against the Giants without Derwin James. So I, I just get the sense that they held him out really in preparation to be able to go here. I think Staley has said that he feels like there's a chance here. So I think there's a very, I, and, and, you know, when I ran my numbers, I put Keenan Allen back in. I think, I don't even, I'm not sure if he's been activated or not, but I, I feel very good about him playing. He, he missed last week because of COVID. And I put Derwin James in there just based on a little bit I could read and just sense of what they were trying to do last game to this game. Uh, Samuel, I think that's a, that's a little bit different animal. Uh, I'm kind of planning him not playing, uh, not really knowing. Um but I do think, you know, James and Allen are the most important there. Uh, and I would so I would assume that they play Slater, probably not playing, like you said, uh, on that, Matt. Um, and, and, and the other point I'll, I'll make, you know, you, you can I, I'm just looking at the um, Chiefs schedule here. You know, they they held the you can slice and dice this a, a thousand different ways and make things work inside your head any way you want. And kind of to the point where. Uh, the Chiefs have caught some of these teams, maybe not in their best uh, modes uh, because of, you know, um, not having to face Rodgers, et cetera, et cetera. Well, you know, they uh, you can go both ways in this, but they held the Giants to 17 points. Um, it was a close game, obviously, 2017. 
Um, you know, Giants seem to move the ball a little bit better in some ways against the Chargers. So you could, you could slice garbage and dice time. it that way. What's that? Oh, garbage time. Onside kicker. Yeah, it, yeah, it was garbage time. the Chargers time. special teams in a bit too. But yeah, I hear you. Yeah, yeah, fair enough, right? Uh, but there's still something happening there, I think, from a Chiefs perspective. I will say this. You get When's the last time you saw the Chiefs play a game on the road? <laughs> yeah, offhand, that's a good question. That was the next thing I wanted to touch on is one more factor here. I feel like it's home field advantage now or never for the Chargers. We know they don't have a good home field, but if they've got any, this is the time for it to show because on a short week, their second straight home game, Kansas City, the team that has to do some traveling. So crowd noise and all that aside, just for the Chargers to be staying put, you know, two straight weeks at home versus the Chiefs being the team traveling in this circumstance. I've got to think if anything that bumps the Chargers home field advantage up as high as it would ever go. So maybe we give them all of a point or half a point. Um, I don't know, man. You know, one I, more thing to maybe give him. I, I still think it's uh, it's probably a 50-50 crowd or whatever. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I'm not giving the Chargers any home field advantage, and it, and it is a divisional matchup, so yeah, it's a little more of a pain to get on on the road. But it's it's a known quantity that they're going to play here. And by the way, to answer the question too, last time they played on the road was November 14th, where they went to the Raiders and you know beat them on that Sunday night game, 41-14. But you've got to go all the way back to October 24th when they went to Tennessee. So, And they had a buy in there, too. So they have almost gone two months with just one road game. Uh, so we've seen a lot of them from at home, right? So, um, you know, I just think that's uh, that's just an interesting dynamic. But to Chris's point, I grabbed the Chiefs yesterday at three and a half when everything was four. I thought I was getting a great number. Uh, you know, Chris got an even better number at three. Uh, I still, factoring all this in, uh, I still make the Chiefs a pretty heavy favorite in this game uh, and have a pretty high number on the total as well. Um, I was going to make that a best bet on this for show purposes. Then we got hit with all this COVID and Chris Jones. It looks like Snead, their cornerback, who missed last week because of death in the family. He's making his way back to Kansas City. Andy Reid has said, hey, take all the time you need. This is This game is not important. When you're ready, we're ready. Uh, but I, I think there's a fair, fairly decent chance he's going to play in this game. And he is a pretty important cornerback for them as well. Um, but, you know, I, I'm interested because, you know, Chiefs have not gone on the road here for a while. and uh, But they are going to play it in a controlled environment, much like when they played the Raiders. And, um, you know, they, they've obviously played here before as well. So I think they'll be fine in that. But it is an interesting note because we've seen them at Kansas City forever, it seems like, uh, recently. Well, as you talk through that, Scott, I wonder when you first mentioned that, I'm like, oh, advantage Chargers. Kansas City hasn't been on the road in forever. Then I think, well, okay, if Kansas City is traveling on a short week, this is a good time to do it because they're probably about as fresh as can be having not traveled so much recently. So where does that factor net out for you in this one? Uh, well, the numbers speak, you know, the numbers are the numbers for me. Um, I think it's an interesting note. You, you try to make sense of it, but the numbers are the numbers. And and my numbers still support Kansas City pretty heavily, even without a Chris Jones in the lineup. And I put Snead back in because I'm pretty confident he's going to play. So it's hard for me to take the Chargers. And I look here, the Chiefs have won seven straight in San Diego, L.A. versus the Chargers, which means seven years in a row. They covered six of those seven. Now, the one they didn't cover was last year. I was on the Chargers. It was a 23-20 game. Chargers had him the beat Tyrod Taylor punctured long game. Yeah, yeah, that was Justin Herbert out of nowhere. Here he comes, right? And he, and he looked great in that game. But they were nine point favorites in that game. So 
we've talked about how the Chiefs basically didn't cover last year. They didn't cover this year. They've now covered four in a row. Say what you want about the competition and uh, decimated teams they've played. But they were nine-point favorites last year. They're now three, three-and-a-half, four-point favorites, depending on when you want to gauge that because of COVID. Has this number just overreacted, uh, and we're now overreacting on the Chiefs' um, lack of ability to cover here for a while, and maybe they should be a, a, a bigger favorite? I, I'm making them a seven-point favorite in this game with all the appropriate adjustments. So I just wonder if, if the number's just over overinflated here uh, to the Chargers because – the Chiefs aren't covering against teams, blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah, they, they played the Packers without Aaron Rodgers. Maybe there's an over-adjustment that's happened here. Yeah, I think that's a good point. We heard for about a year and a half how the Chiefs couldn't cover. And then, like you said, four in a row. I mean, the market ultimately the great equalizer with this stuff. So definitely something worth keeping in mind. And, Chris, one more point as far as the side's concerned uh, that you know would keep me off endorsing the Chargers at the current price would be their special teams. I think this is definitely a point in your favor taking the Chiefs. I mean, still, it seems like they can't protect, you know, and punt coverage and their kicking game is just, you know, a, a rotating, you know, revolving door of, of guys coming in and out. What do you make of special teams possibly being a factor in this one, given that Kansas City seems to have a lot more stability in that phase of the game? Did you say special needs teams? <laughs> Might as well have. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's it's uh, it's obviously we talked about it in divisional previews, uh, and it hasn't changed much. Uh, it, it's cost them this year, and uh, it'll pro- it'll probably cost them again. So, um, it, it, to what Scott uh, referenced, I have Kansas City as a seven-point favorite. Also, this is this is a bargain as far as I'm concerned. I, I don't think these teams are close. By, by the way, the, the Chargers should probably send some thank yous to the Packers and Bengals that maybe at least for the last week take them out of maybe the worst spot for special teams given uh, what happened with Cincinnati and, and Green Bay uh, last week on special teams. So maybe they're not the worst team. Yeah, maybe maybe a big upgrade from 32 to 30. So they'll have to uh, see if they can go a lot further in that direction before we can take that unit too seriously. And before we move on from this game, guys, I also wanted to touch on the total a little bit. We know Chris is on the Chiefs minus three. And as far as the total goes, no official plays. Um, I was pretty surprised to see this move up from a look ahead of 49 and a half through a key number. I'm wondering if there might be a bit of an overreaction to the scores we saw last week. I think that there were better matchups for both offenses against the defenses they took on in week 14 than what we'll see here on Thursday night. I mean, if you're not the Raiders, then you're probably defending the Chiefs in a cover two. That's known to put a bit of a cap on their offense. And Steve Spagnuolo, with some of what he can do post-snap, that's the one thing that Justin Herbert still seems to be yet to figure out, giving the Chargers offense fits when things get muddled after the ball's been snapped. So I kind of feel like both offenses might not be as explosive as we have come to expect from them. What do you guys make of this total crossing, again, up through 49.5 to now I'm seeing as high as 52 some places and a lot of 51.5 as well? Chris, I think you uh-huh. had a bit of a lean to the <laughs> over if I was if I was uh, maybe going uh, an opposite lean from you once again here. Well, yeah, I, yeah it... it... Uh, you know the Chargers can't stop anybody. That's the that's the problem. But how do you weigh the and Scott will be able to comment better. How do you weigh the time? You know how Kansas City bleeds out each possession. You know the, they're they're not going for the big plays anymore. Mahomes is finding success. You know not you know quasi dinking and dunking and and taking whatever defenses give him. So uh, 
it's hard to kind of factor that in because quite frankly, Kansas City should be able to do what they want at the speed that they want. What speed are they going to want to do it? And if 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 San Diego gets out to a lead or uh, something goofy happens and there's some there's a you know a quick couple of touchdowns, well, yeah, that 51 is going to you know be easy. So uh, there's a lot of variables that uh, are kind of tough there. What do you think, Scott? So uh, you know we we've talked about this a lot. Um, these late season divisional battles with high totals tend to go under and they've, they've gone under since week 11, which is kind of the measuring stick to, to really start thinking about going under on higher totals. Uh, they, and they've gone under at a fairly decent rate this year. It's been pretty good. So the first thought is, okay, you got to keep that in mind. Um, cause this is just, you know, this is almost playoff like football. These teams know each other. Um, and we know historically, and this is going back to 1983 year after year, after year, after year, they go under. So that's, that's the first thought. But then there's the numbers, right? And I'm looking, I've got this total at about 57, 58 points. It's a high, it's a high projection, way off from the 51. Now, you know, obviously 52, it's, it's, it's crept up. And I rarely go against going under. I did grab a 51, which is a key number uh, this morning as all that stuff was happening. Not necessarily recommending the over, but I took it. I took it at a, a better number. Uh, and I don't know if I'd go over 51, you know, obviously because, again, we know these totals can go under. And we know how Staley, like you said, plays. And remember last year, 23-20, so it's a lower-scoring game. Um, but when I look at these, both these teams are top seven for me in uh, passing offense, and they're both middle of the road uh, from a defensive standpoint. Um, and I've got really two top seven offenses against middle to below middle uh, defenses. Uh, there's big play capability. To your point, Chris, about you know bleeding the clock and all that, you know, you, we see this with Tampa Bay. We see this with Green Bay. Um, sometimes they play slow. Uh, now, Rodgers does it so he can get almost down to the last second to really see what the defense is doing so they don't, they don't have time to adjust after they snap it. Uh, but they also can play slow to, slow to protect their um, defense a little bit. But when you're playing teams that you know, are just as capable of scoring, you know, you you might have to go a, a little bit faster. You might have to be a little bit more aggressive, um, just because you've got to score points in this matchup as well. So, your your opponent can dictate a lot of this as well. And if if they feel, and I, I we know neither team is going to feel like they have enough points in this game because they know what the other team can do. So, um, unlike where they maybe maybe play a team and then the last half of the fourth quarter, they can run the ball, go slow, and they don't have to care because they have a, a margin of a lead. You know, that's not likely to happen in this game. So I think it helps to support the over a little bit as well. Perfect environments, that adds a little bit to it as well. So um, my numbers are supporting the over, and so I would lean over in this game despite this situation that has been uh, truly um, uh, dependent and consistent over all these years to go under in these types of games. All right, well, hearing that from you, glad it is just a lean for me to the under. And one more thing I wanted to bring up that's about this game, but also about a lot of games we'll see down the home stretch this season. Uh, when we get this kind of COVID or injury news, if you're not really quick to pull the trigger on, let's say, a Chargers plus four this morning before the line smashes down to three, you're probably better off leaving the side alone. But there's a bigger attack surface for us as betters. Shortly before we recorded, I was able to find some unadjusted numbers, Chargers plus 225 to win the West. 12 to 1 to win the AFC, 30 to 1 to win the Super Bowl, all that being correlated to the fact that if they can win this game on Thursday night, 
they're in a decent spot to pursue the one seed in the AFC, as crazy as that might sound. Um, when it comes to derivative bets like that, what do you guys think of, you know, if we can't bet information really quickly against the spread, finding opportunities elsewhere at sportsbooks to still get in play with some correlated options? Do you guys play futures at this stage of the season much? I don't do a lot of it at this point. I mean, we're so close to the end. You're not going to really get those long shots. I, I spoke about it a month ago and brought the Colts to people's attention. Um, you know, I think I misplayed it. I should have just played it uh, to win AFC and Super Bowl, but uh, I outsmarted myself and, and had them win the division. But um, uh, I don't like to look forward this close to the end of the season. I, I, there, you know, there's no big hits to be made here. Everybody knows the pathways for each of these teams as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I would say... Um... You know, let's go back a couple of weeks or a minute, and this is more of a, a game situation. So maybe not the exact derivative market that you're speaking to, Matt, um, but still a derivative market. Um, when I had the uh, the Vikings at Detroit on a teaser, um, and we lost that game, obviously, um, and the Vikings were decimated defensively, um, as Chris Jakes has said, <laughs> and he's a Lion fan too. But um, but I, I played Kirk Cousins over on the passing yards. Just because I felt if they if they were going to have a deficiency that day, it was going to be on the defensive side, uh, and and he you know quite easily actually went over his passing yards in that game, uh, so that part of it won. Obviously lost the other part of it, uh, and I also had the Vikings over the team total points, which I lost. But um, you know I, I was just trying to get at some other things in case something went wrong uh, on the other side of it. I, I still felt pretty good that he could at least uh, get over on the on the passing yards just knowing the Lions secondary. So a little bit different animal than I think what you asked, but there's different ways to attack games or, uh, you know, even futures, uh, if you will, um, if you just think through it a little bit and, and, and just try to find another way to get at a team. Sometimes you like a team, but you're not quite there uh, to take that team. And so you just start to think like, is there, you know, Denver was a good example last week. And again, again, maybe not exactly what you're asking, but, I didn't want to lay that many points with Denver, but I felt good about them on their team total points. Um, so I ended up playing over on the team total points. Um, so it's just different ways to attack a, a game sometimes. Um, if you're not comfortable with it, maybe it's just a conventional way. Yeah, well, beyond Chris's bet on the Chiefs minus three, a lot to consider here with Chargers Chiefs. And we will leave it at that and move on to the weekend. We've got two Saturday games each of the next two weeks. Also a Sunday that we'll get to on today's show. Let's go first to the Raiders at the Browns. Cleveland laying three, minus 105, total of 40. Chris, uh, another game where we got some big news today that moved this line in a major way. What do you make of this matchup? Um, well, I, I'd hope to uh, offer this game uh, plus six earlier. So, uh, unfortunately, it's down to three. So, uh, a lot of the value is gone. But, you know, this is a short and sweet explanation for, for this game, and that is you're looking at the two worst teams, number 31, number 32, over the last five weeks. Uh, I've got Cleveland, number 19 overall, Raiders, number 23 overall for the season. These teams are pretty similar. You're looking at the Cleveland Browns, which seven out of the last eight games have not been able to score more than 17 points. It, you know, in this situation, they had no business laying six. Uh, that was pretty easy. 
I don't believe that they have any business laying three, quite frankly. So uh, I, I still like the Raiders here. Uh, I, I just wish it would have been uh, the plus six. <laughs> yeah, I'd say it's probably Raiders are nothing for me as well. I mean, they were 0 for 5 recovering fumbles last week in Kansas City. If they went 5 for 5, they still might not win that game, but uh, they were unlucky to go along with not playing well. I think they make a better showing in Cleveland this week. And the Browns, we kind of touched on it off the top. Eight players added to the COVID list. Their offense just decimated now. And on the other side of the ball, not in addition to the COVID list, but Greg Newsome in their secondary still in concussion protocol. So not sure what we'll see from the Browns on either, either side of the ball. And last week against the Ravens, they won that game. But again, they lost yards per play pretty decidedly. The Ravens only converted one out of 12 third downs. Still almost won that game without Lamar for most of it. Uh, not impressed by what we've seen from Cleveland, even though they got another notch in the win column last week. Raiders are nothing for me. Scott, how about you? Uh, I'm kind of with Chris. And I was just kind of looking uh, at some of my ratings here uh, from a uh, player standpoint. Um, I'm kind of with Chris here. The I didn't play the game yet. Um, and I would want Darren Waller to play. And I, I, I was just looking. He missed practice again today. So maybe he doesn't play. Uh, he, he's pretty key. But... Who is Cleveland here? We, we know the Raiders uh, haven't been very good offensively here recently, but I've actually got the Raiders rated higher than Cleveland offensively. Now, to, to defend Cleveland, they've had a, a mess of injuries, and um, but they're going to have them again, right, because of the COVID. Like you said, two offensive linemen uh, hit COVID today, probably their best two offensive linemen that are left possibly. Treader, the center, is pretty good too. But remember, they lost a right tackle, Jack Conklin, for the year uh, before last game. So... They're going to be down three offensive linemen. Uh, and remember, Austin Hooper was the only tight end, basically, they had last week. He's now on COVID. So they lost all those other tight ends. I don't know if any of them are coming back. So they may have no tight ends. I think they only have two receivers left on the roster right now after this recent rash of COVID. So offensively, they got nothing. And so if Waller plays, and there's a good chance now he doesn't, So, I'm, but I'm just quoting based on if he plays, I've got the I've got Vegas as a one point favorite. So to Chris's point, and we were kind of talking about this before the show, you kind of hate that you didn't grab plus six earlier, but plus three is not necessarily bad because the circumstances have completely changed here. But I would want Waller to play plus three. If, if I knew Waller was playing, I would grab the plus three with Vegas um, because I'm not sure yet. I'm going to wait and then just hope that you can pounce on it. If you find out that he's playing, if he's not playing, uh, I'll probably pass the game. Um, but Cleveland's a mess here. So, and, and, you know, this is a different season, but remember Vegas went in there in a very windy conditions last year and actually beat, um, Cleveland there in a very low scoring game because of the win. But, um, like Chris said, Cleveland should not be laying six points. And now after all these, these decimation uh, to their team from COVID, I'm not sure they should be laying three either. I have Cleveland is the ninth worst, uh, offensive team. And that's before all this COVID stuff. So, and speaking of COVID, there's $160 million worth of salary on the COVID list this week. <laughs> wow. Jeez. Yeah, that explains uh, some hesitance to pull the trigger on some of these games this early in the week with all the unknowns. But the next game on the board, Scott, not waiting to get in play on, and that would be New England, Indianapolis on Saturday evening. Colts laying two, minus 115, total 45 and a half. Scott, let us know how you're getting in play on this one. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna look at New England here, and I'm but I'm gonna do it from a teaser standpoint. So we'll we'll take eight. Um, we're gonna tease it with Miami. We'll talk more about the Miami game on Friday. 
um, and, and get Miami down to two or two and a half. Um, but I like New England here. Uh, the Colts, for me, number 30 in pressure rate this year. So um, Mac Jones should have some time to be able to throw the ball if he wants to. I've got New England rated as the better offense slightly over Indy, and I've got them as the better defense over Indy. I've actually got them favored by about a point in this game, so I think there's some value there as well for New England. I, I respect the hell out of uh, the Colts, and and they could win this game, I think. But looking back here uh, over the last year, go, we'll go back to the beginning of 2020 when they had uh, Phillip Rivers, and I consider Carson Wentz kind of an equivalent from a quarterback standpoint. The Colts have really struggled to get separation when they've been a short home favorite of three or less, meaning that they're probably playing teams that are, are pretty good as well because the Colts have been decent the last couple of years. Um, they're one in three straight up and against the spread as a home favorite of three or less. The one win was by three points over Green Bay last year. That was a game they were behind uh, by a lot at halftime, came storming back and, and held on to, to win that game, I think, 34-31. So they're not beating really good teams at home by separation. Yeah, they went into Buffalo on the road this year and destroyed the Bills, so they, they certainly have that capability. Uh, but I like New England's defense, and I think their offense is, is good enough to keep this game close. And um, getting it up over the touchdown from a teaser standpoint, I think gives us a little bit of value in New England on a, on a teaser. Yeah, one thing that stood out to me there, you mentioning having the Patriots as a short favorite by your numbers. And I believe that's where the look-ahead market stood. Chris, I know the look-ahead market, one of your favorite things in all of betting. But both of these teams were on their bye last week, so it's not like anything material has changed, and yet we see the Colts becoming the clear favorite early this week. What do you think warrants that line move, if anything? Well, you know, it's funny because I had uh, uh, somebody comment uh, uh, on, uh, on messaging this morning. Uh, incredulous, they were incredulous that Indianapolis would be favored in this situation. It was like, and, uh, you know, we all know how well the Patriots have been doing. I mean, they've won, was it eight games in a row or seven games in a row? Uh, but they're number four over the last five weeks, progress. Number three, the Colts, ahead of them. Uh, overall for the season, I have these teams, even, you know, you push the record aside, statistically, these teams are like this. And the Colts fought through some early season struggles with just devastating injuries. I mean, geez, they were, I mean, they had nobody for a, for a few of those games. It just seemed like they were fielding a, a practice squad and just surviving. But this team is a darn good team. We said it at five, six weeks ago, watch out for the Colts, and here they are. And there's a hell of a lot of people that think the Colts are the best team in the AFC. Trust me, you know, they won't, they may not say it publicly, but they say it privately. Let go ahead and let people think Kansas city is the best team. The Colts are the team that nobody wants to face with that in mind. I took the Patriots plus three this morning. Uh, I, I still see value on the Patriots, but I've had them over the last few weeks and I felt a hell of a lot more confident about it. It's not going to surprise me to see the Colts, uh, do pretty well here. And, and and going back to strength of schedule discussion, the Patriots, you do have to kind of question their strength of schedule. The, the Colts have really had their tests. They, they are tested this year, and the Patriots really haven't been tested. And there's word that Mac Jones has a thumb issue. Thumb issue. Uh, there's a couple of other COVID things, I think, that popped up, but that are kind of minor. So just a lot of moving parts here. I, I'm really looking forward to this game. But another option, just to finish right up, 
this is a perfect uh, chance to use a front end teaser into a play you're already going to play the following day. So if you don't want to lay the plus, if you if you like New England, don't take the plus two, take or the plus two and a half. You can take the teaser, take them through the seven and a half or eight, eight and a half, and throw it into something you want to bet Sunday anyway. So if New England loses, it doesn't matter. You can bet the game on Sunday you were going to bet anyway, and if and you were going to lose on New England, so no harm, no foul. Hey, I'll I'll just make a point that you made there, Chris, too, about. Um the strength of schedule for New England. We get all over Kansas City because they played the Packers without Rodgers and you know, all the stuff that we've documented. But let's remember, New England played Tennessee. They were decimated at receiver in that game. They played Atlanta, had nobody on offense in that game. They played Cleveland, I believe, was very decimated in that game. Um, so, you know, we in Carolina, um, I don't remember what Carolina's situation was, but so New England has caught a lot of breaks there as well. And all we talk about is how good New England is, and we kind of forget, you know, where, where they've caught some breaks. And look, I think both teams, New England, Kansas City, are both very good teams. But I just find it a little funny how we treat one team one way and kind of ignore the other team. And you know, maybe it's because Belichick's a great coach and all this and that, and you kind of dismiss some things. But um, truth be told, they've they've been maybe as fortunate as Kansas City has been with some of their opponents that they played as well. I think New England's my number one ding against team off of their hardcore numbers just because uh, I want to ding and I want to over ding for strength of schedule for those reasons that you mentioned. Yeah, well, Scott, you talked about maybe the Patriots getting a break because Belichick is so highly regarded, but Andy Reid, no slouch in his own right. And one more point to bring a balanced perspective to that equation, the Patriots in their last game in that windstorm in Buffalo um, the elements really helping prop up their defensive prowess if you look at just the stats. I mean, Allen was cutting through the wind pretty well with his arm strength, and a lot of drops got in the way, and you know, so many things just worked in favor of the Patriots' defensive metrics. Might not play out for them that smoothly moving forward, but there is one angle I'll look at in this game, aside from giving them some strong teaser consideration along with you, Scott. Um, of course, Belichick known to try to make his opponents play left-handed, so to speak. So Jonathan Taylor props. I mean, they, they might be pretty high. He's just been on quite a roll lately. But the Patriots, you got to think they'll prioritize uh, limiting his impact on the game. So that's something I'll be keeping a close eye on when props become more widely available later this week. Moving on to the team that I believe Jonathan Taylor most recently ran all over, the Houston Texans traveling to Jacksonville to take on the Jags. Jaguars, get this, guys in the NFL in week 15 in 2021 the Jaguars are heavily juiced three-point favorite that hosting the Houston Texans total 39 and a half and Scott you're inside you're in play excuse me on a side in this one tell us about it yeah I'm gonna make this pretty short and sweet because there's not a whole lot I can say that's uh is really going to support Jacksonville but I am going to play Jacksonville minus three minus 120 uh I wouldn't play it any higher than this from a money line and certainly not at three and a half uh, this is just a, a math play for me here. Uh, I've got Jacksonville favored by uh, almost seven points in this game, actually, over Houston. Um, so it, it's just a numbers play. Jacksonville sucks. Houston apparently sucks more. Um, and, you know, it's Davis Mills. Um, he's kept his team within 15 points uh, uh, or better than 15 points in only one of the games he played. That was a 25-22 loss at home to New England, actually. But every game he's played, they, they've been blown out. And, um, and you know, I went against Houston last week uh, in, a, in a teaser situation with Seattle. 
This offensive line is not very good. Jacksonville does at least have something on their defensive line to possibly put a little bit of pressure on Houston. Um, I just don't trust Davis Mills. Hard to trust anything with Jacksonville, but uh, I think they're the better team here, and the numbers just speak value. So I'm going to play them. There's not a whole much, a whole lot more I can say because Jacksonville is, is awful, but um, the numbers uh, support a play on Jacksonville in this game. Yeah, when I, I look at this, I see I, I can't one big thing that, in your favor. <laughs> I think you're hitting the dispensary here. (laughs) My numbers are five and a half on there also, but this team wants their coach gone. I don't know how you can get behind a team that's run by Meyer at this point when he's a laughingstock coach. And, you know, surprisingly enough, both of these teams have had 10 teams play worse than they have over the last five weeks. They're both showing little signs of life. Neither one of these teams is completely dead, but I want to be on the side where the, you know, the, the, the team doesn't hate their coach. <laughs> Urban says they don't yeah. hate him. You don't believe him? No. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I would add to that. The Jags the last two weeks, first for the Rams and most recently for the Titans, have been a get-right team for their opposition. I mean, this past Sunday, their defense allowed less than four yards of play. They still lost the game by 20. So that would keep me off the Jags. But Scott, uh, in your favor, I would say Houston also lost by 20 last week, and they played a worse opponent than Jacksonville did. And I just think that showed a Texas-sized gap between the Texans and any sign of competence. So stay away from me. Let me throw this one out there, see if you can get into this one, Chris. Uh, I actually did play the under this morning. Um, now, the, the, the numbers moved down. I've got this total at 35, so it's, it's moved down a little too low for me to recommend it now. But to your point, Matt, Jacksonville actually played okay defensively last week. Their offense has been brutally bad. We know Houston's offense is brutally bad. So it's actually an underplay. If this thing would trick back up to 41, which I think is a pretty pretty key number, uh, I would recommend the under in this game as well. How about that, Chris? Can you get behind that? Yeah, Calgon, take me away. <laughs> 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 All right, uh, well, let's let's take it away to uh, a question we've got from the live chat. Looks like Daniel Jones will be out again this week. Do you guys think the Giants make a lot of moves this offseason, or do they run it back? Uh, I am far, far away, guys, from thinking about the New York Giants' offseason plans, but any thoughts on what they might do uh, given the future of their quarterback situation to build the franchise around? But yeah, they're they're done with Jones. I think I think they're going to keep they're going to replace their general manager and they're going to keep the coach and give him another year, and uh, you know see what happens. Uh, you know what is he supposed to do with the when uh, everybody's injured every game? So, but I think that they have uh, faith in in Judge and they'll give him another year. I think that's a it's 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 tough to measure Daniel Jones now. You know, if you get a really good quarterback like a Justin Herbert or something, you ju- you can just see it, right? And you don't necessarily see that in Daniel Jones. But my God, they they upgraded the wide receiver unit this year, and these guys have been hurt every single week. The offensive line's horrible. Jason Garrett, Freddie Kitchens, like these are the guys leading Daniel Jones. Um, he's had probably a different coordinator, you know, every year he's been there almost. It's hard to evaluate um and, and, and the organization is just bad right now. So um, it, it, I, I don't think they're going to completely bail on him, uh, but they also need to be looking for another quarterback um, to see what else they can do. And if something presents the opportunity, um, 
either through a draft or another way. Maybe they go that route. But I, I think they'll try to keep working with Jones because it's just really hard to evaluate him based on it's just been an awful team, just an awful team. Yeah, Which he's I mean, part of, of my, obviously. One of my favorite takeaways uh, from last night's Monday night game, a lot of, you know, mm-hmm. talk about, oh, Stafford, you know, finally beat a good team. There are so many metrics to quantify how he, I guess, hadn't beaten a good team over the course of his career. Stafford in another class compared to Daniel Jones right now. But it's amazing what being on a good team can do for your personal ability to beat a good team. So we'll have to see if the Giants can give Daniel Jones some better surroundings because this draft class for quarterbacks, not looking so hot. I don't think they're in a position to pay a premium for another quarterback. So yeah, hard to see the Giants moving on from Jones quite yet, but maybe a a make or break year for him next season as far as his stay is concerned in New York. I think that uh, can move us on, guys, to our best bets for the Tuesday show. We do have a graphic this week to show what we're on already. Plenty more to come on Friday, but for now, Chris, in play on the Chiefs, minus 3, minus 115. Also, the Saints, plus 11. Um, Heads up, any full breakdowns uh, are coming on Friday for games you see here that were not covered today. That includes the Saints on Sunday night. Chris taking them plus 11 now to lock in that number. I'm on a teaser pairing the Dolphins, minus 2.5, with the Steelers, plus 7.5. Scott also teasing the Dolphins, pairing them with the Patriots, plus 8, and laying the 3, minus 120, with the Jags. All right, guys, uh, one more thing to close out the show on a fun note. Let's just put all this, you know, COVID news cycle off to the side for a bit and have some fun as we wrap things up here today and uh, get into a fun topic courtesy of the team at BetUS. We can pull up a graphic um, that's basically building the best NFL quarterback uh, this per a BetUS fan survey. We're looking at factors like accuracy, arm strength, decision making. And I got to say, guys, this quarterback uh, on the screen here looks like a bit of a cross between Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady, looking quite dazed and confused. Um, any thoughts on, on what you see here as far as building the best NFL quarterback, Chris and Scott? I I can't blow it up large enough to see it. I'm blind. But I, the one thing I do know is anything with Baker Mayfield on it uh, drives me nuts. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> off off field swag, Baker Mayfield getting the fans' vote. <laughs> Not well, sure how heavily sense. we weight that against the likes of uh, accuracy and arm strength and decision making, but I guess people seem to say that Mayfield has quite a bit of swag. That's actually pretty cool there. They they should do this and just take Brady and Rogers just off and then see who who you put in there because obviously those guys are going to dominate everything here and and like Big Ben size and build. Yes, he's big, but. Uh, and they got Tom Brady size and build. I mean, Brady's tall, but I don't. He's not that big. Um, that, that's kind of funny to see. Uh, Brady. You know, they have Brady uh, under clutchness. And yeah, yeah uh, Brady. Brady is all over this thing, and, and for good reason. I mean, he, he's obviously the greatest of all time. Scott, to your point about Brady and Rogers, uh, the only two categories without either of them. Leg slash mobility, Lamar, Kyler Murray, and Josh Allen taking the podium there. And off-field swag, again, Baker Mayfield the leader, and then Patrick Mahomes and Russell Wilson. But aside from that, size and build, leadership, decision-making, clutchness, arm strength, accuracy, uh, Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady all over this list. I would say, Scott, to your point, um, build, Ben Roethlisberger. I'm not sure. Maybe if we're doing like a donut-eating contest or something like that, I would want (laughs) Big Ben on my team. Um, 
But a name I'm not seeing here. I know I'm a Chargers fan, and I'm trying to stay objective, but, I mean, is, is there no Justin Herbert anywhere near the top when we look at build and arm strength? I, I just feel like if we do this again in another year or two, he might be one of those quarterbacks who's showing up early and often across these categories. Yeah, I'll give you that. And and Baker Mayfield with off-field swag, like, I don't um... – I don't really get that. Maybe Johnny Manziel with some off-field swag, but uh, I don't think Baker. I don't really see Baker Mayfield as uh, off-field swag. I don't know. Maybe I'm missing that. Not anymore. Yeah, and I would. I would off for hands. No. That's. I was just gonna say, Chris. It looks like uh, on this image, um, you know, we can see like the Packers helmet, the Bucks helmet, part Rogers face, part Brady face. It's like a. It's a combination of all these different players uh, in visual form. But the hands look a little bit small. So I do feel like somebody secretly did decide that Jared Goff gets the nod for hand size when we look at this <laughs> illustration. Um, but what would you guys say of all these factors to wrap it up? Um, again, accuracy, arm strength, decision making, and so on. What stands out to you the most as professional betters when you're looking at you know, what really moves the needle for quarterback play? What's at the top of your list? And who do you think does that the best in the league right now? I think I think it's when you have a quarterback that commands the respect of their teammates, the the leadership. You know, when the, your your teammates are going to break their butt for their quarterback. Yep. Yeah, I think okay. um, accuracy for sure, uh, and then the whole leadership decision making. I mean, you just look and and you, you know maybe ex I know it's not on there. Maybe that falls into decision making experience because you just look at. A Brady and Rodgers, they go to the line of scrimmage. They see everything. You're not throwing anything at them that they haven't seen, you know, over the last 20 years or whatever. Um, and that is that is just so huge in this game um, to not be fooled. Um, so I think, you know, that whole leadership, decision-making experience, got to be accurate with the ball. Um, I think those are all huge factors. Yeah, well, for those of you uh, checking this out with us here on YouTube, or if you're listening in podcast form and, and want to see what this looks like uh, on the BetUS website, you can also see this kind of breakdown for other positions and even some other sports. There's a Building the Best Athletes uh, feature done in the locker room section at BetUS.com, and you can find a link to check that out uh, in the description of this episode. That'll take us home on a nice positive note, you guys. I mean, it's just a crazy news cycle right now. And we'd like to take a moment to thank everybody for tuning in. If you're with us on YouTube, go ahead and give us a thumbs up. Subscribe on your way out the door. And we will be back to break down the rest of the weekend board live on Friday at 12 p.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. We'll see you then right back here at BetUS, where the game begins.